The presenting sponsor of the Avengers Assemble is our friend John Audi over at thenaughtylawgroup.com. Peep this. Say that you're in an accident. Something funny goes around. You know, you're in the nice whip, posted up. You got a cutie on your arm. Anything like that. Maybe you got the family with you. Somebody broadsides you. They don't have insurance. They want to get funny. There's one person you need to call. That's our friend John Naughty over the Naughty Law Group. Look, Scott's used them. When you're debating Candace Owens, then she's also the landlord, and she wants to screw you over. Just, you know, places infected. You know, she hasn't she hasn't met her into the bargain when it comes to rent and the, and the leasing agreement. There's one person you need to talk to that's going to get it done. That's our friend John Naughty, the Naughty Law Group. He has a history of getting the clients exactly what you want. And I'll check this out. The, you call him. You security deposit to clean some carpets and shit. Yeah, the, yeah, the Candace Owen carpets. Look, you call him. You get a free consultation. He'll tell you if you got a case or not. Then, when you have the case, let's just say you have the case. Look, real talk. He's not going to go and push you. Let's go settle. He's going to say, what do you want? He's going to lay out all the best options. You're going to be taken care of. What a p- history of getting his clients exactly what they want. Check them out. That's John Naughty over at com. Guys, don't know how to tell you this. Yeah, it's uh, that time of the year. It's summer. You know, the kids are out. We went on the coast. What happens? You got a hurricane and a little bit of lost treasure. Somebody must be binging some things. We got the Outer Banks. The Benjamin symbol. That is right, guys. Welcome back to the Avengers Assemble. We've got to thank our main man for supplying us that beat. Um, we got a fun episode today. We've got Outer Banks we're going to be covering. I absolutely cannot wait. A few, uh, a few matters that we want to address as well. Um, first and foremost, please, please, please give us a subscription. If you love the show, tell your friends about it. Give us a subscription. Give us some stars. Uh, look, give us five stars and talk shit in the comments or something like that. Whatever you want to do. No, legit. We appreciate everything that our fans say. We appreciate all the feedback. We're constantly trying to make this better. The way that we get this show to grow is you tell us you tell us what you want to hear. We make it better. And then you keep telling people about it. So give us some feedback. Give us some stars. Give us some ratings. Um, also, the weekly shift should be returning in about a month. That's another Star Mata Media uh, production. It has been on hiatus. There have been a lot of changes going on to the show. Um, we're going to be adding some new guests. So be on the lookout for that. Also... I know that I said this a few episodes back. Our Patreon is going to be set up pretty soon, so be on the lookout. We have enough shows. We have enough material. We've been condensing. Like You guys don't realize. We go and do these shows. Sometimes they're two hours. Sometimes they're three hours long, um, and we've cut, and sometimes we we do like four to five hours worth of material, and you only get three hours. So you come to our Patreon, you get to hear all the wild stuff and all the behind the scenes and the extra hot takes that we have that didn't get to make it. It's like it's like you get Quentin Tarantino out there, and he says, hey, you know what? I had the perfect movie, but the studio told me we had to cut it down. We did that for you too, but we're gonna be releasing some of that. A lot of the problematic shit that Mike. A lot of yes, all of the yeah, a lot of the problem about ninety percent of the problematic shit that is not that bad and none of it's offensive. Um, but it's way it's way funnier. But we like to be mindful of our audience. You get you get some of that stuff, and you get some even wilder conspiracies. So, so be on the lookout for that. We'll be announcing it. Um, also. 
probably the greatest show ever. The Wire is going to be covered by the Bingers next week. It's going to be an extra long episode, seven hours long. So be ready for a marathon. It's an Iron Man episode of The Wire. But before we get into that, we got to get into a show that, oh, listen, when I mention this show, like the number of text messages I get back, like increase thoroughly, right? Like girls are like, I hate Chris. And then I tell them, hey, are you watching Outer Banks? And all of a sudden they're texting back like every 10 seconds, you know? This show is sweeping the nation. It's Outer Banks. And we have taken a trip down there. So you guys know it. As always, Scotty B is in the building with us. What is cracking, my man? Yo, yo, yo. I'm still, I mean, I'm, I'm down with this whole thing, but I'm still just trying to figure out why it's OBX. I don't know. Maybe. But, uh, I think the, what do you call it? The, what do you call it? The X, the, I think that, yeah, you know, like, you know, remember back in the 90s where everything that had a K or S or whatever, like, they would just find a way to get an X or if it had an E, started with an E and there was an X, they go, oh, Let's just get rid of the E and use the X. That's what it's like. They're trying to do that, right? It's a throwback. And I think that speaks well to the show. That's a great point. Mikey is in the building. What is cracking, man? What up? I'm, uh, you know, over here writing out my two-week quarantine now that I'm getting back from uh, the Outer Banks. So Yeah. Yeah, a lot of Shout out to Governor Newsom for uh, enforcing that on me. Yeah. You go to, if you go, look, Outer Banks down there in North Carolina, you go down there, it looks like COVID. Just touch the water. No, just kidding. No. Uh, I think that's how I got it. That's what I yeah, near the water and, and it just yeah. As soon as we as soon as we stepped off the uh, as soon as we stepped off the plane, right? It's just like boom, right? I don't know what's going on on that coast of North Carolina and that little upper that upper North Carolina, lower Virginia area. You know, a little Pamlico Sound. A um, lot of a lot of things happening. This popping off down there, but this show is popping off, guys. Outer Banks, we, uh, we're doing something different than you guys are used to, and I know that we add random wrinkles um, for our loyal listeners. We had random link, uh, wrinkles here, and with this one, we decided this show was just trending, and it was getting so much pub that we wanted to cover it, so we watched. Uh, I, I was the first one to binge the whole season, and then I forced Mike to watch it um, on the phone with his uh, fiance. Went to, or I didn't force him while we were on the phone, but we were on the phone. I told him they should watch it, and then I didn't get off the phone until they first turned it on. And Mike fell in love, and then we told Scott, "You got to watch this show." Yeah, um, I got on the phone. We did a, a three-way finger pop on the phone, binging the whole thing. <laughs> Nothing like that phrasing, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> uh, so, Outer Banks. So, a little bit of a little bit of background for all of the all of our loyal listeners out there. Show was created by uh, Josh and Jonas Pate, uh, bro- the brothers Josh and uh, Jonas Pate. Also, the one Shannon Burke as well. That is a male. Um, it was produced by Rockfish Red Canoe Productions, debuted on Netflix April 15th, 2020. The show actually, um, two in two different times in the last three and a half months. Now, all right, let me make sure my math is correct. Yeah, uh, two times in the last two and a half months, the show has been a top, t- it has been a the number one trending show on uh, Netflix's new top, uh, top in the U.S. ratings. And uh, in addition to that, it has been a fixture in the top 10 since its debut um, and the, the, we'll call it April 22nd being sweeps or sweep, uh, sorry, uh, what it, sweep, sweeps week or whatever. Wow, that's weird to say. Um, quarantine sweeps week. Quarantine sweeps week, right? Um, digital streaming sweeps week. Um, so it's been in the top 10 since it's, uh, since a week after its debut. And I got to tell you, this show was a hit. Um, a little bit of background on the show. Um, so, uh, with uh, Josh and Josh and Jonas Pate, 
the individuals, they were over there in the Outer Banks, and they had read an article about a power outage in the area. And then they looked at some photograph, essentially. Like, I think there was, like, a duck walking around. Uh, sorry, they were not a duck, right? They were taking a – it was, like, dusk, right? And there was animals and, you know, foliage out there, right? And then they saw all these darkened mansions, and they got – they said, uh, I quote, it was just this evocative image that stayed with me, unquote. Um, and then he said that he he met they had uh, went, they went and met Shannon Burke and then the uh, they became fascinated with this idea and told uh, Burke about it and then essentially go hey what do you think if we turn this into a Netflix series what do you like uh, really quick question um this is like the totality of how they came up with the idea in terms of what they've been able to tell people um in the three months since its view have you guys ever been able to pitch something with such little information and rhyme or reason behind it. Absolutely not. <laughs> Scott, I feel like this is your territory. Uh, I mean, the new Saved by the Bell season <laughs> that I'm pitching sim- solely based on creating a new uh, uh, opening song with Post Malone and Young Thug. No, mm-hmm. oh, okay, so a continuation of... <laughs> the, yeah, I like, I, I gotta admit, I don't know if, if Netflix was just completely in the mode of, hey, you know what... Everyone, no one's at their house. Everyone's gonna be watching. So, is if this was just like the right time to pitch the show? Um, well, sorry, I guess I guess they probably did production here in late 2019. So it's even more curious how this came about. Um, you know, like looking at you know looking at sort of the plot. Right, it's ten episodes. It's ten episodes long. Um, personally, I didn't really. I don't know if you guys got this uh, sense. I felt like they probably could have done that, gotten away with this uh, this season being a seven episodes uh, season. What do y'all think? I agree. I think they dragged some of the episodes out longer than they should have. Yeah, I mean the pilot. The pilot to me was just garbage. It, it was it was Damn. shit will that I got through it. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a bunch of st- like okay, the pilot. They come in. The cops are basically just following these kids for no reason for three times. I feel like it was just like we got to make it like. I mean, oh, I had two minorities with kids. them. I yeah, think we, I think Chris and I can both attest that yeah. this happened to us multiple times. <laughs> They're like Kiara and Pope are up to something. <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't this isn't me trying to bait. This is me just saying like there is. All right, and the, but the one it. time that like some shit actually happens, the cops aren't there. Like the dude's <laughs> getting drowned, John B. Which, by the way, can this kid take like one fucking boxing class? Ass <laughs> <laughs> kicked constantly. <laughs> Like, and then, and then JJ pulls a gun and like cops are nowhere, but they're just like hanging out at, I don't know, fucking bodega and cops roll up and they have to run away. They're hanging out in a secluded beach area. Like, I'm sure you had spots where you guys would hang out in Ohio in the forest where like, (laughs) you know, like. I love that he's like the Blair Witch Project. That's like, hey, Scott. Oh, we found a tooth. (laughs) <laughs> i no um so scott i look i thought the pilot was fucking amazing <laughs> like immediately i don't know like look, and look people know this about me if you want to get me to like something just add mystery to it and add a treasure and immediately i'm like yeah this is probably the best thing ever like um i watched it and i go okay uh you know i was like yeah i was like i, don't, I really don't like this uh i don't really don't like some of these characters right but then it was just, you know, they're like, they're like even during like the, the, it opens up where he's introing, right? And then I like that he said the black guy's the smartest person he ever met. And then 
prom when they just immediately go to like there's a mix of like grittiness to this uh, show that I that I was attracted to that they got I, to the pilot. I like was, the grittiness. You're right. Like the chasing scenes when they're running away and it's like the camera man is or camera person whatever is obviously running with them. Those were some of the cooler scenes that started that 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 was when I started getting into it. You know. Yeah. All right. I, you know what I'm talking about? I, I know what you. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, I like this is uh, for me. I think that and, and like I think this is a good sort of segue to sort of look at the cinematography of it. Um, the uh, the cinematographer was Brad Smith. Um, he's a UNC Greensboro alum, and he had previously worked on the show uh, The Americans, the really great show Friday Night Lights that we damn sure need to be covering at some point, and then oh. uh, Quantico second. Both those shows, both Americans and yeah, yeah, all of yeah, not Quantico. We're not going to cover that. Um, he so in an interview he had said, and I'm going to give you all the longest quote, and so I do apologize, but um, he goes, "This is the first time I created a look of a show with the direction with the directors and the producers. Um, I was handed a script that was just white papers with black letters and a description from the from Jonas Pate and uh, what he and his brother wanted the show to look like." It's really hard to get into someone else's head and then give them exactly what they're looking for. Their direction to me was that they wanted the environment to be just as much of a character as the main characters were. They wanted to pull you in no matter what was happening with the actors or the plot. They wanted you to almost be able to pause it at any second. And the photography would captivate you and make you want to visit and almost be able to pause it at any second. And the photography... Uh, okay, sorry. I... Um, I messed up that quote. Um, he didn't say photography twice and say visit twice or so. End quote. I like. I found that like. I found that profound, and this is probably one of the first times I was like sort of uh, looking for something uh, in terms of hey, let me get their thoughts on it and how I envisioned them going about the cinema photography completely matched up with how they were thinking about it. Like if you, if you just look at sort of the environment, like there's the, like the different areas that they have the, you know, you got the sort of disgusting, like you, maybe you'll find like a tampon and the condom and the foliage um, after the hurricane type environment that the poor people live on. And then you got these big wealthy bougie areas and just like sort of the way that the sort of sun was, uh, you know, would cascade at random. Like there's a lot of, uh, like three, it seems like there's a lot of golden hour happening um, in this show. And then during the night portions, it was almost like uh, outside of, I don't, I don't know if this actually happened, but it seemed like they had just allowed sort of the, whatever buildings were in the background to provide the lighting for the actual areas that were happening at night. And like, as if it was like a natural light shot, just with the um, buildings, a lot of flat, yeah, Wait, weather? Flat, like a lot. Yeah, there were several okay. scenes where flashlights were really providing the uh -huh. main lighting of the show. It, I mean, this is, this is a good point because, although I think um, probably what they said was a little bit uh, self-congratulatory in saying we want it to be like Godfather One, where you can pause it and it's artwork, but whatever. <laughs> uh, the, whole, the, the whole idea of what yeah. you're saying is is true. Like all these beach towns. And, and, and you all know, I mean, like, like uh, Playa del Rey, for example, in L.A. is like one, probably my favorite beach town in L.A. Because mm -hmm. it has that true gritty, like, you can go to a nice place, and it's, and it's like, like, you're right, like, you could see beer cans, like, 
off to the corner of, of, like, where some homeless dude threw it around the corner, or, like, there's sand in the fucking floor or whatever. Like, it's very real. Like, a lot of these shots and, and the places that they go totally look like a, a, like a little beach town where you just go in and get some, like, great food and, and fucking hang out, you know? Mm-hmm. So, the... Point. That's a good point. I, I think they did a good job of uh, just bringing out the character of the Outer Banks. Like, me being an outsider, having never visited the area, um, it really did make me want, it intrigued me to want to go visit it, you know? If I'm ever in the North Carolina area, like, I would want to drive down there just to go check it out. Um, and it's just because of the, the character and the charm of, um, of the coast, and then even some of, like, the the scary mansions that they also displayed that are almost like plantation era. Like I would want to go check that out too and like go out there at night, you know, not on a mm. ghost tour. Cause like Wiggins knows I don't fuck with that stuff, but <laughs> to see it from afar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, really quickly also. So speaking of uh, that, Mike, this is just going to like, Mike's probably not going to say anything the rest of the show. I thought I'd say this. So um, in the outer banks, they actually have a, uh, what do you call it? They have like a place called the Graveyard of the Atlantic, um, essentially. And there's just like a bunch of, you know, yeah, it's it's like a location or whatever where there's just like, uh, it's like there's a museum. Um, there's a museum of just like random shipwrecks and like, uh, and they have like pieces of places that are just off the coast or whatever, where like half the ship is uh, still available or just like hanging around on the banks or whatever. Um, and it's just essentially like a giant, uh, like a giant East Coast ship morgue. And it's haunted. It's dope. Yeah. So, Mike, let's go there. <laughs> yeah. Like, they didn't try to make the building more appealing either. It's just like, <laughs> like, like you know, you remember that Scooby-Doo episode where there's the, uh, where they go to that old airstrip and there's like that space kook or whatever. It looks just like, the, the building looks just like that airstrip, yo. So, we're taking Mike there for his birthday. There you go. Yeah, happy birthday. Uh, so staying on the staying on the actual uh, cinematography. So uh, the gen- so the gentleman actually said uh, as well that when talking about uh, that they saw for like the bigger scenes that they had, I don't know which ones these. I don't know if this is the one, the ones if we're supposed to know these are the big ones due to the musical cues or how long the takes are or something. Um, however, he had said that for the larger scenes that they specifically sought to use uh, natural lighting. Um, when he said that his favorite scene to shoot was actually the raining scene where the characters will get into this, uh, Sarah and John B, they get off the ferry coming back from, uh, Chapel Hill. So if y'all remember that scene, um, essentially it starts raining. This wasn't planned and it was actual rain. mile inland ferry that goes to Chapel Hill. (laughs) You didn't like that part of it? It's physically impossible. So wait, oh wait, what? So you don't think a ferry can go from the Outer Banks to Chapel Hill? No, Chapel Hill's like three hundred miles inland. There's no water to get there. What is North Carolina? That is North Carolina really three hundred uh, miles uh, long? It's, yeah, it's a long ass state, dude. Okay, yeah, all right. yeah. Wait, there's got to be a fair. Like, there's like there's no rivers in North Carolina. It, no, that's a plot hole. We'll talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So wait, so wait, so North Carolina really does. All right, we'll, we'll talk about that later. All right, I, I, I'm, I'm like intrigued. There's like no way we can continue on, but all right. Um, 
So anyways, so that scene was actual, it was actual rain and they had asked the, they, uh, they meant to have like that scene be uh, bright and backlit. Um, they had received the forecast that day and then they asked the two actors if they still wanted to do it in the rain and they go, oh sure, why not? I mean, pretty, they probably just like, hey, what well, fuck, we don't have careers before this, so we might as well say yes. Um, so they agreed on that and then they only had a few takes because apparently they were um, seven, uh, a lightning storm what, what, what had hit just about seven miles out and the forecast had indicated at the spot that they were shooting there would be lightning. Um, so essentially, as soon as they got the uh, got a take that was able to be used lightning hit the area and they all had to scramble in um so if you like sort of looking at that scene and i think that i want to say that's episode if i'm not mistaken that's episode three or episode four potentially um give like give that one a look uh i for me when i when i looked at that scene it, it had like a lot of um what's the other north carolina what's the north carolina movie that all the women like uh the notebook a lot of those vibes to it okay with the romance yeah i can I can see where you're going with it. Um, Even the cinematography. Rain season uh, or uh, rain scene. Uh huh. Yeah, I. I, It it definitely was like a romantic uh, take, because it was almost like where he kind of like asks her to be his girlfriend. You know, like it's kind of like oh, like we're gonna make out in the rain, like after spending like this whole day together, because before we were enemies, like. He was always making rude ass comments and being a dick to her. Then she kind of saves him from like him getting chased by the cops. And then now they end up in this, you know, long day adventure together. And then suddenly now they're kissing in the rain. You know, it's like the perfect way to end that whole segment. Yeah. Great line, too, she gave him. She's like, Yo, did you just yeet over that chain? (laughs) (laughs) Yeet over the chain? Oh, nice. Yeah, that is great. He, uh, Scott, you're right about him. He's not, he's, he, I don't know why this guy is like, a lot of women seem to like this guy. Um, his character is kind of, he's kind of whack. Uh, he can't fight. He can't jump over a chain. Um, he makes dumb decisions. I, we're going to get into the, a lot of that or so. Yeah. This guy is just sort of meh. Like if you were like, like, I hate to say this or whatever in real life, his dad probably like would have left to look for the treasures just to get away from such a failure of a kid. <laughs> like he's the least impressive of, uh, and interesting of all the characters. Like the only the only thing that's interesting about him is that his something happened to his dad, and that his dad had a locked office. All right. Other than that, it's like you know he gets his ass whipped a lot, and he doesn't make uh, pragmatic decisions, and jumps over chains and falls. Yeah, he, he gets he injured. Makes re- like really awful reactions. I, I don't remember if it was the first. It was. I just remember this because it was just so bad. So I don't mm-hmm. know if it was the pilot or it was the second episode, but when uh, when the police chief comes and she like makes fun of his little hovel about how bad it is, she's like, "I know dogs that live better than this, John B." And he just yeah. throws he throws a can at the wall. Yeah. Like, God, this is like this. Is, this yeah, that's episode awful. two. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now, okay, so. What's inescapable is, um, or so really, like talking back. I want to get back to the uh, a little bit back to the sort of what the producers were saying. So um, the show they based it on. Uh, so even though it takes place in North Carolina, um, what do you call it? Uh, Shannon Burke had said that Dawson's Creek nor One Tree Hill were influences. Um, that's certainly because Dawson's Creek dialogue was great. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Dustin essentially, Creek had twenty-four-year-old 
actors playing teenagers, but they just had 24-year-old dialogue. Yeah, this yeah this one just has like a 27-year-old with like a 6-year-old dialogue and like a 2-year-old brain. Uh, so the book The Outsiders was the inspiration for it. And uh, Burke would go on to say that he wanted to base a show off of many of his high school memories. And then he said that Treasure Island and the Anna, the Anna Karenina novels were also Karenina. inspiration. What's up? Karenina. Karenina. Okay. Uh, Karenina. Ooh. How do people know how to pronounce some of these names if it's a book, though? Because, like, is this, like, just uh, listen to the audiobooks or what? No. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to – I mean, it's a great point. But, yeah, you go by, like – how the authors would have said it at the time. And then okay. Sort of, so it's Anna Karenina. Anna Karenina. Okay, so is that Russian? Yes. Okay, Toy right Toy on. Story. Toy Story. Okay. Uh, the, what do you call it? Um, so then he mentioned that Catch on the Rye, The Goonies, obviously, and Separate, uh, and a Separate Piece were all topics of conversation when they're crafting the coming-of-age narrative of the yeah. cast. I think Great. this, I saw this, Goonies... Stranger Things, uh, and National Treasure. Like, I, I'm convinced that they watched those three and they said, let's go create a show. <laughs> and then let's say we're, it's, we're basing it on Anna Karenina, Catcher in the Rye, and uh, some other legit literature to, to, to sell it well. But it's really just Goonies and National Treasure. Treasure Island. <laughs> yeah, treasure, treasure Island is great. Sure. Throw Treasure Island and the Outsiders in there, and we're just gonna make a show. <laughs> yeah, like the out, weren't the Outsiders popular and like good looking and uh, capable? Yeah, but I think this whole concept of like the kooks and the pogues, like you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the socials and the greasers. Like it's their take on it. It's a bad take on it. Yeah, might I say, but whatever. Yeah, did you guys like? All right, bad take. <laughs> what were y'all's opinions on the pogues? I mean, what were the Pogues, though? Because we only really saw, like, the four of them. Yeah, okay. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, the Greasers, where we got introduced, were, like, with, like, multiple Greasers, and they had, like, that whole showdown where, like, a bunch of them showed up, and you're like, okay, this is their identity. This is who they are. This is what they are about. They are the poor kids. They have this persona. They have this style. The socials are the jocks. They're the wealthy kids. Like, here we just kind of see, like, okay, Pogues, it's, like, four of them, and the Kooks, there's, like, three of them. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So and opinions. Saw, go ahead. I sorry. I saw the pogues. I saw the pogues as like the local, like the townies who don't come there for vacation. Like the kooks were the people. They just own these amazing homes uh, and would come there. You know, it's like the Hamptons. Mm. There, there are people who live in the Hamptons and work. Uh, these mm. days, we would call them essential workers. And uh, <laughs> you know, they're the ones who just like get shit on by all these people who come. That was one scene, I think, in the first, maybe it was the first one, where mm-hmm. uh, it was an interesting scene, at least, where, where I think John B. was describing, by the way, worst narrator of all time. They could yeah. have had anyone else narrate, and it would have been better. Uh, yeah, they could have had his had dead Pope, dad. Yeah. Pope's dad narrating, and it would have been fine. So bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of how I took it. So these four characters obviously were representing all the pokes, but they were all like locals who lived there. By the way, this is kind of partly my problem. I grew up around a lot of poor people, and none of us had the amount of shit that the Pogues had. Like, they got <laughs> boats and fucking all these amazing resources, and they're just like, oh, but we're poor. Well, wasn't it just JJ's? Like, wasn't it just JJ's dad that uh, like, all right, well, so I don't get like, I guess here's what my question: 
Were the Pogues meant to really be poor or just the outcasts, though? Because you can be rich outcasts. I would say outcasts for the reason that Kiara is also considered a Pogue, but she's clearly not poor. Yeah. Um, obviously, she we don't see the, like, Pogues, the wealth right. of her. Right, she chose it. We don't see like the extent of the wealth of her family because like, we never get introduced to like her house and to see what they have. But Dad's it's, an it's asshole. Like she was best friends with Sarah, though. Right, and they went to the same school, like they had a similar upbringing, they had a similar right. like social class because they were friends, mm-hmm. they were best friends. But whose fucking boat were they roaming around in the whole season? Was it? Like, it wasn't JJ's. Somebody. No, because his boat was the one that they used on the last episode. Okay, all right. So was it then? Okay, then was, was it John it was B's dad's? No, 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 it was Pope's dad's. Was, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah, you're right. Because remember, that's how they that's how they were gonna arrest him when JJ took the fall for Pope. It was uh, what, what what's Pope's last name? Hempstead or something like that. Okay, but, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, I. Yeah, they. You're right. That good point around. Uh, sort of, she chose. They all had um, boats though, because John B had his dad's boat. Okay. All right. Yeah, right. so they. And how fucking expensive is it for fuel for you to go out on a boat? Like, boats are gonna expensive, drop dude. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I think they, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they cost more than like getting a single engine plane too. Overall costs, maybe, maybe not. I mean, chartering because planes are planes are expensive because you got to charter them. Yeah, I know. Yeah, shit. yeah. You can't really keep a plane in your driveway. Like, yes. <laughs> 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 the pogues the pogues can't <laughs> yeah <laughs> i no i like i found myself not liking the pogues um we'll get we'll get in this like a, a little bit later um like look you know i i found jj and pope to be quite interesting um in my opinion john b i was just no on him like all across the board um from the moment just yeah i was just like I, i'm not invested in what happens to this kid or i'm invested kiara. in the show what's up i said what about kiara I found her like I felt like that they did I felt like there was something missing in terms of she didn't get a storyline like they forgot that maybe she was a pogue um mid, like when upon Sarah's introduction that is like okay we're going to lessen it but even before then you never really got a moment like her dad's like an angry black guy uh, which is stereotypical <laughs> and uh, you know they don't necessarily go into sort of though. what's up her mom was elegant okay yeah. was her mom half or sorry not her mom half uh, was her, her mom was white right no yeah. Oh. Okay. She was ethnic. No. Yeah. She was ethnic. Okay. Yeah, she looked white, bro. She looked white. Yeah. Is this like a Sean King thing? Yeah, she's probably a Sean King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dull as it holds. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I, I feel like there was something like they just forgot. Like, hey, we, we don't have enough. Like, maybe there's really supposed to be seven episodes, and they just added three more. Um, but like, I felt like she was missing an inter in like I think everyone had an episode, um, at least of the Pogues, and then I feel like she didn't necessarily get one that was sort of centered on her and what she goes through. Like you get into the JJ stuff with his dad and sort of his background, and then um, his you know uh, sort of Scarface like moment towards the end of uh, the mid towards the end of the sh- uh, the the season, and then uh, you get the stuff more interaction with Pope's dad, right, and see what his internal conflict is, and then also him getting his ass whooped. But I felt like a lot of that was missing from Kiara, and I was like, for that, it was like that might that could have been the driving bridge. But yeah, I just didn't. I wasn't really high on the Pokes. Like I was rooting for them against the uh, Kooks because like the Kooks were just uh, what do you call it? Just fucking over the top, like no subtext. Just Spoiled hey, awful. 
yeah. terrible people. Uh, yeah, it's like they like went to every trope. Like, hey, how can we make them like the villain from Karate Kid, but make them worse? Um, and then like fucking just turn it up a dial. You know, it was just like over the top uh, heel type shit. They were, they reminded me of uh, uh, Wedding Crashers, like Sack. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, just full Bradley Cooper, you know. Crab <laughs> in football. That's what Marilyn does. <laughs> yeah. Mike, were you on the you, – you said uh, – I know you had said that – what do you call it? Uh, you had said something a little bit about the Pokes. How invested in them were you? And were you rooting for them or what? Um, I mean, obviously I'm always going to root for the uh, the poor kids because I just feel like I can relate to them more. Um, I don't know, man. I just, I wasn't really, I wasn't really feeling John B's character. He's weak. You know, he didn't strike me as the type of kid that I would want to follow around or associate myself with just because, like, I mean, he seemed cool. He'd probably be the type of, like, I say, what's up to? I'm at the skate park or whatever, whatever, like, you know, we'd probably link up for a second, but, like, Oh no, there's something missing there. Like it, it, it didn't strike me the way that you know you was, like when you watched like the Outsiders, and you felt like Johnny and Pony Boy were like two individuals that were like kids that grew up around you, you know, and like people that you can relate to, mm-hmm. situations that you can relate to. And so, like obviously, I, I favored them over the Coops because I just felt like the Coops were assholes and they're arrogant and they're fucking privileged kids who was just walking around trying to do whatever it is that they wanted to do while taking advantage of the other kids' situations. Um, that dude, Topper, I mean, fuck, don't even get me started on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you got every advantage in the world and you're still a victim. It's fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I, yeah, that guy, I, yeah, I don't, that guy, first of all, the fact that that guy can win a fight is just the most contrived shit ever. Topper. <laughs> Everything about him just screamed soft. Like, well, he bitch. Could, so here's what was funny. He could always take John B one-on-one constantly. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Just, but Pope, it was like five-on-one. Yeah. And uh, JJ, it was like three-on-one. So it's like he couldn't really win a fight, but this is just how weak John B was. <laughs> <laughs> John B seems like Paulie Malinagi. It's just like if anybody has any type of skill, he's just getting his fucking ass whipped. You know, like, he has like the oh, weakest really? chin on the planet. I would say because oh, you Glass remember when Joe. Adrian Broner when Adrian Broner beat him and he said, "Yeah, I took his championship and I took his girl." Oh, wow. <laughs> like that would have been the line that John B would have dropped on him if he would have beat his ass. Yeah. If. Uh, yeah, it's a John B. Somehow got some. Uh, he got sympathy, um, uh, love. Like no, in no other thing, in no other realm would someone go, "Oh, okay, um, I'm gonna go to the guy who just got his ass whooped by my man, and my man is richer than this other guy, um, but I'm gonna go with the poor guy who can't even fight." It's like you're poor for no reason if you can't even be this like streetwise tough kid. Like <laughs> the poor somewhere for my dad. Yeah. Right, somewhere Ryan Atwood from the OC is just like, okay, <laughs> he goes, I don't know what the fuck happened. With, this is not my apprentice, you know. Uh, so, all right. Uh, no, I, you know, I think that, what do you call it? Like, the, tre- the what do you guys make of the, how engrossed were y'all in sort of the treasure hunt aspect of this? Because, like, I don't, 
I can't, I don't can't for the life of me, I can't remember a show in a while that had these sort of this long arc of, hey, we're solving clues to get somewhere. I think maybe since like the Where in the World is Carmen San Diego cartoon from back in the day, you know, with uh, Zach and whatever that redheaded girl's name is. Um, but I, yeah, for the life of me, I can't like, I don't know if it's just like that was just missing from my life or whatever, but it made me tune in despite some of the bad plot holes and the terrible acting. Um, what did y'all make of the, the tread, the sort of the treasure um, aspect of this? I enjoyed the treasure hunt. Um, and I think that's really what intrigued a lot of people to stick with the show, despite the plot holes and despite how bad some of the characters were. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just as uh, as a cultural phen- phenomenon, like we enjoy like these treasure hunt scenarios. Like if you think of the success of other movies, like National Treasure, The Goonies, which is a cult classic. Um, I would say even The Mummy, you know, where like they're oh, yeah. following along like this, this hidden treasure with you know, uh, the risk of something bad happening to them because of a curse or because of what may lie underneath uh, the ruins of this treasure. Like, Indiana Jones, another perfect example. I was going to say, man, I was like, Mike's about to get through all these without mentioning Indiana Jones, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think people just love these storylines. And obviously some of these other ones I mentioned were written a lot better. But mm. I think there's <laughs> just this mystique behind, you know, everyone. Because everyone wants to become rich and you know everyone wants to get rich overnight and so i think this whole idea of like oh i could find uh, a fucking gold mine or you know a lost treasure and become wealthy and solve all my problems mm-hmm. overnight. like it's just a fantasy that people have it's the reason why people continue to play the lotto no matter what yeah certainly scott uh, yeah i think i think um i actually it reminded me a lot of stranger things in a in a way but not done as well so this is what's interesting about Stranger Things and why it was so great and fantastic. It has all the elements of a treasure hunt, but the goal isn't materialistic wealth. The goal is sort of finding out what's going on and what's really happening. And that's where I thought this 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 missed out. I mean, when when it started finally getting, I don't know, fucking the stupid compass when he gave that over and it was just pointless and oh Mm -hmm. it comes back whatever so stupid but it actually started getting good in episode three when the treasure hunt started developing a little bit more right there was a Mm -hmm. reason for me to keep watching because it was because it was pretty solid i think they they spent too much time on trying to develop poor characters and Mm -hmm. i think they could have really relied more on the story uh of that and maybe did a little bit more backstory on John B.'s father, because his father was certainly more interesting than he was. Um, <laughs> and Which is true, uh, I, yeah, yeah, but I, I just think that's really, you're right. It's a good point in the sense that I think that's really why the show is popular, because it is kind of that good old fashioned, you know, treasure hunt kind of a thing. Um, but but there but there were a lot of good elements about it, right? I mean, uh, I was gonna say about Kiara. I think the, in a lot of ways, and this sounds really weird. I think she held the group together a lot more than say like John B. And it's because <laughs> maybe she had stability, <clears throat> or mm-hmm. she had uh, she just kind of had the charisma to, to kind of check everybody and keep them all like freaking insane like it, she was like the mom of the whole group which they all really needed obviously 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good point. Yeah, what? Yeah, this uh, a lot of very Disney like, like a lot of non-existent moms in this. Um, yeah, for real. So John B's mom. issues in this. Yeah, like John B's mom. What she like just just had just disappeared when he was young, right? Um, yep. And Pope was like, they, I don't think they delve too much. Did Pope have a mom or? He did. Yeah, because. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, they, they, yeah. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, she didn't get really didn't have that much of a say. Exactly. Yeah. But his dad okay. basically said here. about the whole thing, which I don't like Pope's dad, by the way. But this whole thing <laughs> about uh, I don't know, I don't know what happened. I don't want to know what happened. But you're almost killing me. You definitely would have killed your mom. Uh, JJ, <laughs> yeah. I don't think had a mom. Sarah. Uh, she had a stepmom, right? Yeah, and she literally even says, "You're not my mom, and I have to listen to you." Like, what, what's going on with this whole thing? You're right. Like, there's just fucking no moms around. And then Kiara's mom barely spoke. Um, we don't even know if she's black or white. I still okay. don't think she's white. <laughs> Love that. If she spoke, we would have known if she was black or white. No, no I, I, mean, we just, I know. So, she was just so irrelevant. We're not really sure. Yeah, wasn't she? Was she there when she got picked up by the, with the dad, or no? Uh, when he picked her up in the SUV, and he's like, "Oh, if you hang around trash, you're gonna." Yeah, I only remember <laughs> no, she her from. There. She okay. came about towards the end of the season. Okay. Um, where they were running, where John B was running away, and then the hurricanes coming, and the mom. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. To, to stay. Yeah, you're right. I remember her from uh, the Midsummer's episode, which which we'll get into is my favorite episode. The the where, with the spoiler dance. alert. Power. Right, but I'm just saying. Ambassador of race relations. Yeah. Did you have yeah. a crush on her? <laughs> she was. I'm saying she was hot. Yes, the mom. Yeah, the mom was hot. Okay. And Kiki. Ki- no, I'm yeah, talking yeah, about. I, I was talking favorite. about Kiara, bro. Oh yeah, she's definitely the hottest. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the. Uh, yeah, I yeah. So they clearly went with the Disney format of like where moms don't play any factor, and maybe they're maybe they're subtly telling us that you'll be better at hunting treasures if your mom is in the picture, um, and you won't do dumb shit. Uh, also, okay, uh, so what's up with the cops in this? Because first of all, the police force uh, it went from barely anybody uh barely anybody being on the force right like the same people uh investigating crimes to towards the end uh, you know they got like this like uncle tom black guy a light-skinned black guy or whatever who always frowns um being the leader of an investigation and then all of a sudden like they're enough to have a manhunt where they can spot boats out in the middle of the fucking ocean you know um yet when the cop when the sheriff gets shot it takes forever, and the only person that comes is one person. Now, I don't know if they should have said, "Hey, Kiara or Pope shot somebody," so that like they could have had like seventeen cops come immediately or something like that. But <laughs> I don't like the the like they they try to make the sheriff seem smarter than she uh sort of smarter than we thought like pretty early on, right? But it just like sort of whatever intuition she had just sort of disappeared. And then the other guy she had with the like typical, uh, he looked like sort of like a knockoff Vincent D'Onofrio from uh, Jurassic world. <laughs> the sheriff yeah. was definitely descendant from the dude who the original, uh, the guy found in the town. Yeah. You think so? Oh, I, it, I'm surprised they didn't get into it, but in season two, a hundred percent. You think they're going to talk about her again? She's... I think so because that's the, like to me that was the whole point of why she was why she even cared. Yeah, yeah about the yeah 
It's uh, that okay. That that would make sense. Do you think like maybe they made a mistake in killing her off? Because because like what are they gonna do? What's up? Maybe she's not dead. Well, I mean, she kind of got shot and was down there like bleeding on the airstrip for quite a while, and then they I mean, didn't they. You should have died four times. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it like fifty I, feet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I can just picture them mentioning, hey, Sheriff Perfect, what's her name, Sheriff Perfectkin or whatever, uh, yeah. Peterkin. Oh, remember the remember the black sheriff that died? Oh, she descended from this guy. Oh, that's nice. Moving on, right? It's like, <laughs> she's not getting any of the money. Like, we don't know if she's married. They didn't have the old uh, typical uh, TV show police uh, police funeral, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, the cops in this were just like, just, I, like, they were just bad. And then at the end, just like, it just seemed weird that at the end, um, all of a sudden, like, they have a bunch of them that can, like, stake them out in a tower and shit like that, you know? Or in that uh, in that house, it's just they call it the what's FBI, up? FBI, right? They, didn't they call the SBI? The FBI? No, the SBI, the State Bureau of Investigation. Yeah, State Police. Oh, we're okay. The State Police. Okay, state. all right. Yeah, that was the dude, Ooh, the, uh, the serious guy that came in, who was like the really Uncle Tom. Badass. <laughs> you liked him? No, no, I'm not saying I liked him. Oh, okay. I mean, like, that was when we saw more of a presence. Like they had to call yeah. for, for help and and bring in the big boys. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that like that 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 actor who is playing him or whatever, terrible actor. Like every every scene is just like the same wooden uh, confusion. Like when she goes and like tries to confess to the dad, right? Um, the actor does like, or sorry, when she tries to confess about what the dad did or whatever to the uh, to that guy, he's like, "Can I speak to your daughter alone?" Right? And like, no, in no con- manner did he like change up his expression or. Do anything to make it seem like, uh, you know, he, he was clueless. It was just like, all right, you know, my one note is just like confused look on my face, right? And I'm like, look, if some 17, if some 16 year old you're gonna go talk to or whatever, you gotta at least appear appear nice, not some frowning, be a frowning black guy, you know? Yeah, he was like the opposite uh, charisma of Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he should. Yeah, I don't know, like, he should have listened to Mike Lowry on how to uh, how to how to act as a Lowry. cop, you know? <laughs> Yeah, like Marcus Burnett could have done a better job of talking to this potential witness to what happened to the sheriff. So, uh, yeah, wasn't high on the cops. Um, I want to get I want to get us into the topics though because these are going to be extra fun today. Um, and we've actually subverted them a little bit since we're doing um, a season of a trending show. So some of your favorite topics may not be uh, covered, but y'all are just going to have to be um, okay with this. Write us a comment. Tell us tell us which ones we left out that you're mad about. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yes. Exactly. I'll, Mike Jones and it, I'll the, uh... give you my pager and I'll, uh, I'll respond to you personally. <laughs> yes. I think he came out a little bit after pagers were popped. Uh. <laughs> Don't forget, Scott Bauer is also the president of Cancel Culture, as mentioned by our friends and assassin Chris Hill. Um, so, yes, if he says anything problematic and you feel like he needs to be canceled or called out on, please at him. Yeah, certainly. Um, so, first team all pro casting. I went with Rudy Pankow as JJ. Um, simply put for me, I thought that, you know, and maybe this is just how the character was written, but the sort of, I really pictured him as the guy that's going to fuck everything up, which he was sort of in like immature, very Steve Sanders from 90210, like, uh, 
causes it causes the issues sold that well and then sort of getting through the emotional m&m type grief where he has an issue with a parent and potentially wants to kill him and wants to be like the mulleted kid from uh the new the 2017 it movie um i felt that <laughs> right i felt i felt that and then the when he gets on the king of the world tip or whatever where he's like you know what fuck this we've been getting fucked over our whole fucking life let's fucking stop being bitches and stand up to ourselves i was like all right this guy just sells it right and then sort of the anguish that he goes through, I thought, uh, number one, the acting in that was just superb. Like, this guy hit all the notes um, in sort of piloting out the sort of change that we see over his character over ten episodes. And he did the dopest move. He took the, he took the fall for Pope, too. Yeah. Yeah, straight up. Something that Mike and Scott would never do uh, for me. So <laughs> Fall. Wrong. I would definitely do that. Oh, thank you. But he did, he did definitely check off all the boxes. Like, as he continued to show his character, like, and more boxes got checked out, I was like, dude, this guy's just... He's the most gangster of the crew. Mm-hmm. He's fucking militant, right. though, man. Always wanting to bring that gun and just escalate everything. <laughs> See, he's how people thought thought Pope should be. Yeah. Like. yeah okay. <laughs> uh, okay, wait. Who, who did y'all have here? I had Rudy Pankow as well. Okay. Um, I wasn't able to get like his bio because he looks young. So I was trying to like find out yeah. how, old he, how old he is. I mean, he hasn't really been in the game for too long. I'd say his, his credits go back for like two that go back to 2017. So he's got about yeah. three years on him. Um, but I just felt that he did the best job on the series, and mm-hmm. I think that his portrayal of a troubled youth that has a bad rock and rocky relationship with his father was spot on. Like I think a lot of kids can relate to that, um, just because of his mannerisms, like. You could tell that he was afraid of his dad. Like when they get busted, like he's more upset about what his dad's reaction is going to be as opposed to what the consequences, what the police are going to be. And we see that when he gets in the car and his dad kind of starts off slow and then just starts beating his ass in the seat. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like that was very powerful and a lot of people could relate to that. But the way he displayed his emotions during a lot of the scenes where he is mentioning his relationship with his dad. So, for example, like mm-hmm. where they break into the boatyard and he, um, they get he gets chased by the dog and the security guard comes out and he kind of breaks down emotionally in front of the security guard saying like you know my dad told me to come get this or he's gonna beat my ass and the dude kind of like you know he softens up to him and he probably knows that is what type of individual his dad is mm-hmm. knowing that his dad probably beats his ass so he lets him go and so as he was walking yeah. away he smiles as he's wiping away the tear and so like i feel yeah. like those types of scenes are powerful to portray because you know even as an actor like to force yourself to uh, break down emotion and cry and then still break out that smile you know like it's 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 kind of showing like the double-edged sword like you're smiling but really that smile is because of the pain that you're feeling inside and so um i think even uh, my favorite to be honest was the scene where he um he has an emotional breakdown after blowing the money like when his dad says that he's going to use that money and flip mm-hmm. it to double it and he um he runs off with it and ends up spending it on that hot tub for his friends like i think that just says a lot about his character you know and then as he's mm-hmm. trying to portray himself then as an individual who is like it's all good you know i i, I have this money i'm blowing on my friends so we could have a good time and then he just breaks down in kiara's arms like i don't know man it, he just played it so well and I, I i can't even relate to it so like i can't even imagine what other kids that do relate to it feel yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh. He he has this amazing sense of loyalty that 
it it seems so genuine like it doesn't even seem acting and 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 like while you were talking about that i was totally thinking about this because like he is always bringing the gun out but like he's not afraid of getting his ass beat like he never really brings the gun out to defend himself it's only ever been to defend his friends you know mm-hmm. like yeah. everything he does is is because that's the that's the people he's found actually like love with them and all he has is just like fucking hate and toxicity from from the you know his dad and whatever yeah. family he's got so yeah, yeah. No, um, so that act, that actor, Rudy Pankow, um, apparently, so he went to, he had studied at the, uh, he's from Alaska originally, I guess, wow. and he had studied at this, under the same acting coach that Mila Kunis and Haley Steinfeld and uh, Evan Peters, you know, the creepy kid from American Horror Story, um, or, wait, was, did he also, does the guy play Quicksilver and X-Men also, I think? Um, yes. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, so they all had the same acting coach. A little and, bit like that guy. Okay. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Like when I saw this on the thing, I was like, all right. I was like, he fucking clearly, that had to be, he had to have fucking been his understudy on something. Right. Um, so yeah, so he went to the, uh, Michael Wilson, uh, studio. I, I don't know why I said the name cause we're not getting any ad money from him. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, so he's, yeah. Um, I think that what do you like? I, like for me, like and I, Scott, we're gonna get to your uh, first team All Pro. I think that what do you call it? To me, he stood out as the most uh, talented actor on the show, just from what I've from what I saw. And I wouldn't be surprised. It looks, it looks like he worked. He went to another studio prior to this to get more former training. Uh, the Larry Moss uh, acting intensive, I guess. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's the most sort of learned in terms of going to different uh, studios to pick up skills. Right? I think that really showed. Maybe the most successful I think actor. We're, we're definitely going to see him again. Uh, yeah. yeah, we ain't seen John B again. Him, him, and I'd say Sarah because of her mm-hmm. looks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so I had uh, Charles Eston. Is it Ward Cameron or Cameron Ward? Ward Cameron. Uh, I think it's Ward, Ward. Cameron because they always right, call right. him Ward in it. So it's so funny because I, when I like the first Zaddy, time mom, Zaddy, like, that's what they call him. Yeah. So I saw him and I was like, dude, who is this guy? I know this guy. And it was the beard. The beard threw me off. So he's Josh Porter for our The Office fans. Uh, Josh Porter is the manager of the Stanford branch. And uh, deep cuts again within The Office. Uh, They were going to get rid of Michael Scott and get rid of the entire uh, Scranton branch because Josh mm-hmm. Porter was going to take over all of their book of business and he was going to become kind of like a high-level VP un- under Jan. And he just turncoats, uh, completely betrays them and takes an, off- takes an offer with uh, Kinko's. Uh, yeah. So, like, the moment I saw him, I was like, this guy's not real. He's not who he says he is. And I couldn't think of it, and that's why I had to look it up. And I'm like, oh, that's who he is. So he's, like, mm-hmm. perfect as that. Uh, he, he looks like older his... James Marsdens. Yeah, he does look like older James Marsden. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, um, like, yeah, like, like more intimidating. Brother or something. Well, like, yeah, like if James Marsden like had like swag and was like tough. That's like he looked like this guy. <laughs> what's uh, Chip Esten? I guess is what they call him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, he used to be on uh, Married with Children. He's right. good at getting his ass kicked all the time. James Say again, James Marsden. <laughs> That's only because of the uh, You know, this guy Chip Eston, uh, his career his career is like super, super long. Um, but he, like, I guess he like started out on, on Married with Children, and then uh, he was actually on Whose Line Is It Anyway, the UK version and the US version yep. for 
two significant, I guess. So he's on both of them for significant runs. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, all right. We'll, we'll say that he's the most accomplished. Um, pro- I mean, you got to imagine he's probably the most talented of the actors, given that he's able to do comedy and uh, be this uh, supposed to be intimidating man or something like that. Uh, but yeah, like him and JJ completely just, yeah, they, right. they out, I out- would say he's the most accomplished out of all of them. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, he's definitely the most accomplished, right? Yeah. I'd say that uh, from, I guess, yeah, and then. Yeah, I think that that might translate obviously into him being the most talented because he's had a like having this sort of theater and the improv background and having thirty plus years of experience, right? Uh, but JJ's gonna outshine him. Like, like obviously this guy Chip Eston doesn't have his careers. He might have twenty more years of a career left or something like this. We're we're watching a star in the making with this uh, with Rudy Pankow. Yeah, I agree. change that name though. I, I also a- liked uh, Drew Starkey as Rafe Cameron. You uh, like that kid? Oh, Lord. No, I don't oh, like man. the character. Oh, I thought uh, well, no, I thought his acting. Okay, no, go ahead. No, no, no. What I think you I thought that was great casting? Yeah, great casting. Okay. Like, he was a perfect fucking disappointing son. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like, he's he's Donald Trump Jr. Like, just, <laughs> just like, awful in every way. Just every way imaginable. It just is like... He's like he's like the thirty year old man who like holds on to his dad's leg, like and looks at at people underneath his leg, you know, under in between his legs, like a two year old does. Like, yeah. daddy, these people are scary to me. But then he like grows up and he's just disappointing. He like I, I mentioned it earlier. He 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 kind of like he kind of maybe he was biting off of Bradley Cooper's yeah. sack, but he wasn't really like actually kind of alpha like like mm-hmm. zach was you know he's just like this little oh god just this little weasel but i thought yeah. it was great casting and i thought he did really well like as that because like the like the uh barry the drug dealer this dude was like short and little but like he just didn't give a fuck and you could tell he was tough and these dudes were also afraid of him but was was that the guy that looked like Riff Raff or uh, yeah, James Franco from uh, <laughs> from yes. Spring Breakers? Yeah, he was yeah, like a darker but, version of Riff Raff. Yeah, but remember Char- uh, uh, Ward Cameron just like beat that. Yeah, he beat the hell out of that ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ward, Ward's out there just like, look, I can fuck up everybody, right? He's like, I used to be poor. He goes, I have yeah. got shit. Sucker. He kind of sucker kicked him. Well, yeah, but I mean, just, just the, the brutality him. with which he beat his ass. Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, an ass whooping's an ass whooping. He picked up no, Topper yeah, no, by his throat, like off the ground. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Ward was, yeah. Ward's just like fucking out there, like Stone Cold Steve Austin and shit. Man, he's just like, hey, he fuck you, fucking stunner, dude. fucking yeah. stunner. Right, I'm fucking whoop your ass with a pool cue. Like, but I never yeah. the truth because I said he's, <laughs> he's punking kids. Like he picked up Topper, who's supposed to be a 16, 17 year old kid by the throat. Okay, how I thought Topper was twenty. Because uh, he gra- he's older than Sarah. Because he mentions how he graduated high school already, right. and like how he's supposed to. Like, I don't know if they said he failed out of college or something like that. But yeah, he was definitely an adult. Yeah, it's a, and then what do you call it? And then what do you, I gotta imagine that? Rip, wait, wait, what did you say that the drug dealer riffraff looking guy's name was? Barry. Barry. Okay. Yeah, Barry is clearly like I mean he's probably not John B's age or whatever, like John yeah, B's real age. He's but, a little bit older, but he didn't look. He was like that much older. Yeah, I want. He seemed like he was twenty four ish or something. 
So Ward's taking off these guys on their prime, yo. He's just like, fuck, you know, these guys are fucking, you know, they hit puberty, you know, they surpass. Yeah, right, you know, they're like college age, you know what I mean? Like their testosterone's at an all-time high, right? And Ward's just like, no, fuck you, all right? Got fucking zaddy mode, right? Just yeah, like, Ward, bam. Ward's not hitting the gym every day like these kids are, you know? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Topper, Topper's got the N.O. explode, man. He's just like, hey, you know what, fuck it. Uh, he goes, I'm going to go hang out with my high school buddy for some reason. Uh, who I show? <laughs> I'm the only guy who graduated college or graduated high school that wants to go hang out with a junior. Um, Stone Cold appearance. Uh, one with JJ's dad. Uh, he comes in hot. All right. Uh, Gary Weeks played him. He comes in immediately, bails him out of jail. He's just like, look, what the fuck are you going to do? You know, how are you going to fucking repay me? with What fucking money? And then the beating scene. It's like, okay. Uh, you can resonate that. Like, I think he really sold the sort of I'm the abusive dad from I hate to use this metaphor again, but from it, um, you know, I treat my fucking little shitbag son like crap or whatever. And then this one takes it further and he's like full in a, like a child called it mode. Um, and then you, you see that he like sort of he really sold the alcohol problem, the, the sort of alcoholism problem that he had um, in later scenes. I just thought he killed uh, the well, he might have had three scenes in the show or so. I thought he killed every single one of them. Yeah, he played a deadbeat very well. Like, it, was it, he a it deadbeat was, or was he just a bad dad? No, nah, he was a deadbeat. Damn, man. Yeah, but he lost yeah. his job. Yeah. Well, how would that make him a deadbeat? He's still taking care of him and bailed him out of jail. Y'all are harsh. Right. But I mean, I mean look, I obviously have low expectations when it comes to dad, so don't <laughs> listen to me. But <laughs> yeah. he's drunk. He sees the money. He immediately starts thinking about flipping it to get more. Okay. Um, in the last scene, or in the last episode of the season where um, JJ's going to steal the key that's uh, basically on the necklace that's around his neck, like, it, mm-hmm. it seemed like he was, um, he was on prescription meds, I want to say Ambien, some sort yeah. of, like, sleep medication, and so he was, like, really fucked up and just on the couch. That's yeah. a deadbeat to me, you know? Okay. <laughs> Damn, my, yeah, my, I, I, like, look. Shout out to Mike's fiance, cause like no, legit, like uh, yeah, like all right, we already know Mike's. Uh, Mike's like all right, you can't just pay the mortgage and to if put food on the table. You got to do a lot more, or else you're a deadbeat. So shout out to your fiance. She's got, she's legit got uh, winner. Like now you've ruined it for the rest of us, Mike. Like I was hoping to just come home, put my hands in my pants, and then ask the kid if he did homework. Right? And then now Mike's like, all right, that makes you a deadbeat. No, 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 I didn't say that. All right. Maybe you just don't you, can't, you can't fall asleep with a necklace on my sleep. That guy's a deadbeat. I mean, when you are when you got a bunch of empty beer cans and Ambien bottles After sitting you there. Like, beat the oh, hell out of your kid. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah but Mike's fucked it up this, for all of us. I mean, relating to that same scene as he kind of snaps out of his, uh, he's kind of like in that sleep coma. And uh-huh. he starts to tell JJ about how he loves him. I, yeah. I, I felt like his portrayal in there was very good because yeah. he sold it. You know, you kind of feel like the uh, emotion behind it, even if it might not might not have been genuine because he's obviously mm-hmm. intoxicated. Yeah. So shout out yeah. to Gary Weeks on that one. He this guy, very... I feel bad. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say he Go. plays a very good deadbeat. Yeah. <laughs> I felt bad for this actor because you look at his uh, this. I think this is yeah. If you look at his uh, what do you call it, filmography or whatever. Oh man, this is the, I think this is the first role he's had um, where he's actually got named because the other stuff is like reporter number three, super jet pilot, attorney, recruiter, police captain, 
chauffeur, uh, officer. A lot of this show, there aren't a lot of names. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So I think that I think his name in this was meant to be uh, Luke. I don't think they ever like. I don't know why where they would have called him that on the show though, because like he only dealt with the kids. So yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Who did you guys have? I had. So I had um, Adina Porter, who played mm. Sheriff Peterkin. Mm-hmm. And so I had her on there because she played a very strong woman. Um, oh, Mike's like fucking sucking up to BLM right now. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, well, she doesn't. She typically does play a strong character. Like she's I been in other her, stuff. Yeah, she um, she's played a recurring role in American Horror Story. Okay, right on. All right. And so um, she also played a very strong character in, well, and she's been in a few of the seasons, so she's played a strong character in, in each one of her portrayals in the seasons. But um, not just like, even in this series in general, um, she had her intuition about uh, the disappearance of Big John and with the evidence that she found with the glasses, like she was already kind of looking at Ward Cameron as a suspect and despite his charm and his reputation in the city, like she did not let her intuition steer her away from it and Mm -hmm. even in the moment where like she got shot by Rafe and like she's dying you know like she just took over that whole scene because essentially the cops and their fury towards John B is -hmm. geared towards the death of her you know her getting shot alright that's a good point now yeah you know I yeah I I thought that was great casting too it sucks that she's gone um you know the only person that dies is a black person um so Shout out to Outer Banks for staying true to their southern roots. Um, <laughs> staying true to the stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> the stereotypes and their southern roots. Um, no, yeah, you're right. And also, I'm like looking at her filmography. Great pick, Mike, because uh, she's probably had the best career of everybody that's been on this show. She actually has an Emmy nomination also. So she's the most, she's the best actress uh, or actor to come from this. I had uh, Jason, I don't know if it's Warner or Varner Smith. Jason Warner Smith, the coroner. Mm-hmm. He had a he had a very good line. Uh, when I hear hooves, I think of horses, not zebras. Uh, oh, that's that old trope. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think Stephen A. Smith uses that all the time yeah, now. I think so too. Or Max <laughs> Kellerman does. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a very like southern kind of trope. But yeah. He's uh he's also I thought he was good as the coroner, but he's also uh, Gavin from The Walking Dead. So if we have any Walking Dead fans out there. Uh, he's one of uh, Negan's uh, sort of generals mm-hmm. who goes in and kind of collects things from everybody. Uh, he also has a great death scene. He gets killed by a child, which is always great. Is he German? <laughs> I don't know. I just Why did you think that his last name would be Werner? <laughs> I don't know. Because, no, it's his middle name, and it's also Jason with a Y. So I just, who knows? I don't, I don't, isn't his last name Smith? Yeah, but you never know. There's a 0% chance that his middle name, he just said, hey, Vanna. <laughs> yeah, he's not Nightcrawler, bro, because cut <laughs> Wagner. But anyway, yeah, he plays the coroner. I, I liked his character as the coroner. I thought he, I thought he, I thought it was a good appearance. It was, uh, I think it was very uh, important scene in terms of uh, Sheriff uh, Peterkin as she's starting to sort of connect the dots a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And then we find out that she actually used Ward. He mm-hmm. was the the guy who didn't turn around in the hood, right, to kill all yeah. of these uh, these outsiders. 
Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I just thought he he did a good job and he was someone I actually recognized. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, nice. <laughs> okay. So for best episode, I went ahead and went with uh, Spy Games. I think that's episode four. That's where they go on the aforementioned trip to Chapel Hill. Um, they hang out in the little steam locker and everything. And then um, they these two decide that they like each other. I thought that the whole, like a lot of mystery in that with the sort of looking at the painting and sort of tracing it back to, hey, I need you to go as an alumni. I need you to get me into uh, the University of Chapel, or your dad as an alumni. I need you to get me into the Chapel Hill with a pass and everything. I thought it was just a super fun episode and was super interesting and sort of the banter. And it was the only time that John B. was actually likable as well. I liked his, um, the scene where they, they changed clothes and stuff. I, I don't know. Do you, do you all ever remember? I totally remember this. This was the one time John B. was likable and relatable. Do you all remember that sort of the first time you went like shopping with a girl that you were interested in and she was like, Oh, I like these clothes and you should put, you know, this stuff on for me. It wasn't, you know, rich ass place where I'm wearing, you know, that scene kind of reminded me of Titanic, bro. What's that? uh, That that scene reminded me of Titanic. Totally. Yeah. Where, uh, where, where basically the, um, What's her name? Uh, Kathy Bates' character takes Jack, and she's like, "Oh, you look like you're my son's size. Like his clothes will fit you." And then she gets him dressed mm-hmm. up. Like it, it was very similar to like that dynamic of like you're this poor kid, and you need to dress up for this event to fit in. So we're gonna get you like suited up. Mm-hmm. Right. And then and then she got like her turn, and he got to kind of pick, you know, how she looked too. Um, mm-hmm. So it was. It was a very kind of coming of age style where you know that's a very uh, telling and kind of attractive moment scott scott did you ever go shopping with a girl like that yeah that would like he was married no 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 i'm saying i'm saying even like in high school that that was one of my first memories of someone like i liked we went on that like kind of little date did she let you touch the uh, top of her knuckle or what (laughs) yeah Yeah, i felt i felt the cloth as she uh, was putting it on um, we she make you buy a cheesy Secret, outfit, though, so, so she was ready. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think I've only been shopping with a girl three times, maybe. Oh, that's um, the move. You guys got to get on this. Yeah, I just uh, like I'm, I'm a buyer. I just buy, like you know, like the you know how do I look in it? I'm just like, oh, okay. I'm like, right. I'll tell you yes, but I really don't ever want to see you in it. So I'm not um, saying it leads to everlasting, but I mean, I was married. Mike is. Uh, engaged so mike have you gone uh shopping with your girl you know trying on stuff or before mm, not really <laughs> yeah i feel like yeah i feel like this only still happens in tv shows because mm. <laughs> like uh, first of all like guys as guys our opinions suck like men don't really know how to dress that well and then right, like that's, uh, that's when, why women have picked intimate kind of uh no moment. i feel like women have picked up on it and they're like i don't like i'm not gonna go ask the dumbass uh how i look at this you know right but it's doing something that they love and they're good at and yeah you know, kind of relating with them okay all right it's like taking them to a i mean i guess it game. depends right because like i feel like there's always that stereotype that like going shopping with women is like an all-day affair because you're gonna want to hit like all these stores and they're gonna want to try on all these things and so like you're kind of just like following along and like holding the bags, you know. I did yeah. work at the mall, so like I, I guess I never just really felt the need to because having to assist women with their shoes or like with certain attire and then 
having to, you know, give them feedback on the way that I looked, whether I was lying or telling the truth. I didn't want to have to have that experience with now a person that I am dating. So mm-hmm. I think that's Got the reason it. why I just never chose to do it, you know? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so you guys had, so, all right. So someone had, you, I think Scott, you had mentioned Midsummers, right? I did. I mentioned it earlier. So this was my favorite one. This was, uh, Midsummers, which is like a little dance social Mm -hmm. event, I guess. Oh, yes. Um, so I loved this for a number of reasons. One, um, this was right after that episode, and in Spy Games, all that shit goes down. So JJ gets arrested because he takes the fall for Pope, um, and and the group kind of got separated. It was this whole time mm-hmm. like they all kind of were doing their own things, not and and right they they hid it from Kiara that they went and did this whole thing. So I love that part where uh, JJ and Pope like totally bro hugged it out because Pope was mm-hmm. there like serving oysters and jj was there on the mission to give sarah the note and then uh 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 and then i think my favorite part of it was when sean b got pushed but it was sad that he didn't die (laughs) 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 he breaks his leg right because he ends up in a cat no i'm not sorry no it's like his uh his wrist yeah yeah Yeah, got a concussion i thought it was gonna end and they were just gonna the show is no arrest john b was gonna be dead no arrest yeah exactly (laughs) fucking kid like attempted murder of course he doesn't get arrested it's that privilege bro Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah like yeah somewhere what do you call it um the sheriff uh, the sheriff was just like i don't know what happened all right yeah john b's poor the police only protect the the wealthy and their possessions that's very obvious Okay, that's true. Yeah, she's just like, all right. She goes, I don't care. She goes, uh, she goes, whatever. I don't care about his broken arm. He's like, I can push a guy down and cause him to break his wrist and then beat his <laughs> yeah. ass and almost drown him. But the moment a minority and his poor friend pull the plug on my boat and sink it yeah. and cause damage, I'm gonna try him as an arrest. adult. That was the best thing. He's 16. He will be tried as an adult. <laughs> like, did anybody pick up <laughs> like, on that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> It was a goddamn pile driver. Dave Chappelle uh, reference for for our audience who didn't get it. So, Mike, you put the pilot, huh? I put the pilot episode. I think it was a good introduction to uh, the series and to the cast. Um, I felt like they kind of started off fast with the storyline when they ran into... So, wait, we spent 35 minutes at least talking about how shitty the cast was. Yeah, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that the pilot didn't do a good job of introducing them. Yeah, that's yeah, a good point, Mike. Fair, fair. Because we got introduced to everyone. I mean, we met Sarah, we met Topper, we met Rafe, we met every single person on the series. Even the two guys that uh, ended up getting mysteriously killed and found in a net. So we never um, got their names either. Yeah, yeah. What do they uh, call them? They, they were the. Uh... Did... Like the outsiders, I think. Oh, they're out of towners or something. something. Yeah. No, like the, the square square something. Oh, the square something. Yeah. Like square soft. No. Ah, fuck. Whatever. No, they, those guys are essentially like wrestling henchmen. Like you're you're leading up to the pay per view, but you got to have like a match against the villains' uh, friends on like the free show or whatever, and like you have a handicap match, and then you beat the hell out of them, even though they're supposed to be tough. Like those guys are yeah. weak. 
It's like John B. couldn't the even NWO beat a fence. And then having... He got electrocuted by a fence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm saying it's, it's like feuding with the NWO and you got to fight Scott Norton and fucking, I don't know, Buff Bagwell. <laughs> Before you get yeah, the you know? Yeah. Yo, those guys, uh, like, they had, like, wraparound Oakleys and stuff and, like, fucking Ken Caminetti goatees, yo. Yeah. Just, yeah. Wasn't Bam Bam Bigelow, Bigelow one of them? Yeah, one of them looked like one of them looked like him. It's yeah, they they were just like trashed. <laughs> like, like they were like legit. Like you ever see a show that like they they want to like do their transitions, so they just use like old B roll or whatever. These characters were these two characters were essentially like B roll fucking villains, yo. Like I, I'm convinced they weren't ever even on set. It's just like they pulled something from like Baywatch, uh, Hawaii, and they're like, "All right, <laughs> let's just fucking <laughs> use these two guys and they have them chase some shit." They like ransack the house. They pull the list, close their eyes, and just like, "All right, point, and we'll choose whoever your finger lands on." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I appeared in one scene uh, from Magnum PI in 1987. You're hired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> I got spin kicked by Chuck Norris once. So, <laughs> no, but, uh, for... <laughs> uh, back, back to what I was saying, though. Like, uh, They started off fast with the storyline. They introduced us to the characters well. Um, and they even introduced us really to the treasure hunt because essentially when they break into that motel room and they find the money and the gun and the compass, um, that's kind of where we start to see the storyline kick off. And so that, that's the reason why I liked it, because I, I felt like it was the one that really opened the door and had um, had the most, like, opportunity. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Um, worst episode. I'm going to let y'all go first. Bauer, I know you have a the lot pilot. to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I legit have not had to... Uh, I've had the fortune of this podcast. We've done some amazing shows. And in general, all of them, uh, most of them we, you know, I've watched, or I've known of, um, or rewatched. Right, this one was new to me, and I was kind of looking forward to it. And I was like, okay, cool. My homies are saying this is a good show. Twenty minutes in, I think I texted you both. I said, dudes, we're doing this show. <laughs> yeah, he, he proceeded to text us every episode. <laughs> Not even every episode. I think like every new scene. It was tough. yeah, it was tough. like in, like since this is Netflix, there's no commercials. He, his texts were the commercials, yeah. just like wherever the commercials would be. It's just like, dude, this is awful. It I want to like this. It was difficult. I mean, because they just they jumped around too much. It, like they were they were trying too much to do character development on things we didn't care about, and uh, it was it was just bad. But. You know, I've kind of already said about it, but I just didn't like it. All right. Um, I, Mike, I'll let you go. Um, so I obviously disagree with Scott, but I'll let that go. Um, I'm going to say the episode 10, The Phantom, was the worst. Um, it was a season finale, and I just felt like they could have done a way better job. Like, the police chase with John B. just dragged out way too fucking long. Like, that should have been cut in half. Like, there's no reason to have to go two episodes with the police mm-hmm. chasing this fucking kid. Like, yeah. you're not that elusive, bro. You're not that dope. Like, no, he falls over chains. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so, like, how the fuck was a 16-year-old kid going to be able to outrun them for that long? 
and hide in so many different places in so many different ways without them like catching up to him and then trick them by you know pretending to surrender and then hopping in the car and then driving off like it was just it, it, it got way too unbelievable and so that yeah. was my biggest issue with it just the way that the series played out like yeah there were some question marks throughout the episodes but you could have redeemed yourself by ending it the right way and just like the mm-hmm. ending of it, I just I had a huge problem with the ending of it. Like the way they tried to sneak past the police on the boat while it was dark, and then suddenly they turned the spotlight on. Like there they are, and then like oh let's just fucking go into the storm where they're not gonna expect us to go and they're not gonna want to chase us in, into it, and rightfully mm-hmm. so. But then they crash, and then somehow they wake up and they're both just outside of the boat with their life jackets. I'm like that shit would never happen in real life, never. Yeah, very Titanic moment. Um. I yeah the, the episode before that I hated uh, the bell tower um, that's like right after the shooting and then that's when uh, what do you call it you know Ward sends the plane the plane the plane with the gold or whatever to the Bahamas um, and then he tries to help the sheriff or whatever but uh, and then they go somehow they don't do any investigation they just go oh, okay well Ward um, who somehow has all this knowledge or whatever he knows John did it we don't question why the fuck he didn't stop it or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I just just awful, just across the board. You know, I don't even want to talk about that episode. Just sucked ass, like completely. Like I felt like I, you know, when watching it, I was like, please be over. And then I wanted to take the old special trip to the old buffet of the glass sandwich restaurant. Just bad, <laughs> across the board. Oh, man. First time I've ever asked myself to do a glass sandwich. Also, um, okay, we're gonna go on to uh, we're gonna skip music to score because or the music and score because it was bad uh, because they had random musical cues when things would happen, but it wasn't really that notable. So we're just like gonna say really it gets an related. F. Like they try to play some ska, like reggae-ish type music. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, we get that it's a beach town, but it doesn't really fit the vibe. You know, like. We were going to skip this part. I, I, but no. I, just, I have a problem. My, Mike's like, no, I want this. Go ahead. I just needed to voice my frustration out. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, it, it, like, they should have had intro music. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then they should have had a significant theme to their song, to the songs and like transitions. I was just like, yeah. I just, for some reason, I remember, and I know this is not right. I just remember some weird fucking survivor or, or amazing race type of commercial transition going like uh, or something like that and something intense was going to happen so i just thought it was trash um hope for season two this is a new category um essentially we're going to project what we might see in season two um for some reason i didn't put anything on this category but i have something in my head so i'll let you all go first um well as much as we've talked about plot holes and just how bad some of these characters were I really just hope that they stick to the storyline and don't drift away from the focus, which is the treasure hunt and what the fuck happened to John B's dad. Like, we know that he got killed, but I feel like they... What happened on the island? Right, what happened on the island, like, what did he go through during the time when he was trying to survive, and then obviously as he's leaving these clues behind for John B to find. Like, I feel like they Mm -hmm. can kind of uh, salvage some of the season... By bringing him back, because I think he was probably one of the characters that we were most interested in without even really knowing too much about him. And I Ward think that, Cameron, you said? No, or no, who? no. I'm talking about John B's dad, uh, Big John. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, and with that, I also hope that they bring back the original cast, because uh, I, I really just think that 
it would be best just for continuity reasons. Obviously, like, we're going to see Sarah and, like, John B. But I just really hope that they bring back, like, even, like, Ward Cameron. Because as a villain, I think if they try to introduce a new person, it's just going to be problematic. Like, for continuity reasons, like, how is this person going to come in and just be able to participate the way that, you know, Ward Cameron did and really take over? Like, we already know he's a sleaze, so hopefully they can have him talk his way out of it and follow them into the Bahamas and play out the storyline that way. Um, I really think that they're just going to continue on the chase for gold and, you know, go from there. I mean, hopefully we even see Barry in there. I didn't like the dude, but, you know, just throw his ass in there. Fuck, for all, you know? For all intents yeah. and purposes, <laughs> keep it consistent. I hope Scott. coronavirus cancels the series, or <laughs> I hope that... Uh, the riots come to the Outer Banks and they just destroy all of the plantation mansions and tear down Damn. the statues. Uh, not wow. <laughs> um, so here's what I predict. Ward Cameron runs for like state representative of the Outer Banks region. Um, and then he sends like a he sends this, the SPI to go down to the Bahamas. And then somehow they use a contrivance to get the CIA to go back there and recover the gold. And then somehow John B. outsmarts the whole um, CIA while jumping over a fence and skinning his arm um, and then walks away with the $400 million. And then the show will essentially jump the shark by um, JJ dating Sarah. Inexplicably with no type of... <laughs> issue mr steel mr steel your girl yeah straight up all right um so favorite character um i went with sarah all day listen let's keep it 100 all right i've been able to go this whole damn episode without mentioning this um she's fine as a motherfucker yeah i'm surprised it took you this on to yeah i was trying to be respectful (laughs) (laughs) all right if anyone knows me i've been raving about the old uh madeline klein here uh for months now um number one she is uh the, the this set like all right, first of all her character is just great all right she is a dream girl like let's keep it one hundred uh she got the physique she's uh humble right and she's entertaining best character intriguing we need more plot lines with her one hundred percent she's fine I like motherfucker she on the background of your phone or what uh no no I don't do that that's weird you follow you following her on Instagram on I certainly do and Twitter and Twitter <laughs> have you tried to slide in the DMs. I have. I've gotten a response. Isn't she dating John B? I got a response before that. Okay, got you. Uh, Kiara's better. She's a socialist, and she's uh, mm-hmm. I see she don't be giving any of that money away. She's a badass <laughs> surfer. Uh, I didn't know she's a socialist, though. She was getting... Yeah, how do you, yeah, how do you know she's a socialist? <laughs> what the fuck? Dude, uh, in my favorite episode, when JJ crashes the party... He, uh, when he tells Kiara to come join, he's like, mandatory meeting, workers of the world unite, Kiara leaves her fucking family, and, the, and her mom is like, can we just stop on the socioeconomic justice for one night and have fun at this party? Um, yeah, oh. and plus she's an awesome surfer, she gets barreled, she knows how to take some rights and lefts, she's great. So you only like her because she she's... would have been a Bernie supporter. No, she's yeah, 100% a Bernie supporter. And she's awesome. Well, no, he's saying that you she only like super, her because... Oh, no, she is super... She, Dude, she's super cute, too. But she's also... Do you think she uses cool. a... Do you think she uses a Walden surfboard or what, yo? Uh, 
I think she can use a longboard, a funboard, and a shortboard. I think she she knows she knows surf well enough to know what kind of swell, what kind of wind. Yeah. She she's don't think she's ever hit the green room she's though. Got a quiver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The president of race relations continues. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Mike, you have an interesting choice for your favorite character. Uh, JJ, man. Listen, he was yeah. a kid with a good heart, despite his troubled background. Like, despite how bad his dad treated him and how shitty his upbringing was, he loved his friends and he was loyal to the T. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way that he was treated. Um, we never got introduced to any siblings, so it seems to be that he's an only child, but I feel I think like all of them are only child. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, but I think him being an only child then caused him to feel more protective around his friends. Like he felt like he needed to take that role with them. Mm-hmm. And Pope a lot of that was displayed. Well, he did? That, Pope yeah. had siblings? No, oh. no, his mom and his dad. Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they weren't siblings though. But um, no, I was saying like a lot of that, that was displayed with um, even just his habit of like carrying the gun around. Like he was a protector, he was the enforcer. He was tough when he had to be tough, and he was willing to ride or die with his friends despite the consequences, and we saw that when he took the fall for Pope, and he even looked at the cop, and he was like, you know me, you know where I'm from, and the cop was like, yeah, I know about yeah. you, and he took him in, you know, like, that to me said a lot without really even knowing a lot about his background, because that was even before we even got to see, like, what the background of his relationship with his dad was, just that line itself, you could tell, like, oh, okay, this kid comes from the wrong side of town um but yeah man i mean who doesn't like a kid who's walking around strapped and willing to pull out a gun like he he was gangster (laughs) in a non-gangster looking way you know he he needed to learn how to fight but he i mean he held his own though he uh, He he held his own yeah he still needed to learn how to fight he fucked up his dad i mean his dad had gout and then he got up and he he dropped him his dad had gout he went toe to toe with Rafe when they were uh, when they were at the park he and did. they were playing they that movie. They always had to double or triple team him. Yeah. Didn't he get yeah, punched he earlier? Yeah, but he, t- he ate it. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to learn champ. how to fight. <laughs> look, <laughs> I, I'm champ, look. Bro. He might have good defense. He needs to learn some offense. I'll tell yeah, you that. All right. <laughs> Listen, man. Send him to. Could he? Camp, could he? Like, have him hang what's out up? With Tyson Fury for a couple weeks and he'll come back. All right. Can he beat Ward in a fight? No. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what do you call? It? Okay. So, worst character. Um, look, I'm gonna start this off. John oh, B. Man. Absolute <laughs> piece of fucking shit. Like, I, just the worst fucking character on a Netflix show in so damn long. Uh, let me start out. His hair, fix it. It's just bad across the board. Number two, bath. Take one. This dude to be the main character. Yeah. That's what I this guy. Who, who casted him? I think he's supposed to be like a knockoff Taylor Kitsch from Friday Night Lights. It doesn't work. All right, he's, nah, he's you know he's not as he's like huh? a hillbilly John Snow kind of right. Like, <laughs> he's, yeah, let, let, like Wiggins, like do any of your friends like message? Women love him. That's what I'm saying. No women, yeah, women do, which I don't understand why. Um, like this guy is like he's close to growing dreadlocks, white guy dreadlocks. Um, like this is Austin, Texas, or something like that. One small eye and one big eye. Yeah. Um. <laughs> He, you can see parts of his skin where there is dirt on it from not taking a bath in multiple episodes. He looks like he's never heard of degree or right guard extreme sport. Um, 
his clothes have stains on it. And I'm convinced that uh, he would be the one house that didn't clean up after a hurricane. He looks <laughs> like he smells like oil. He looks like his teeth just fucking reek of like old fucking Crisco and bacon grease and shit. There's nothing. There's no. It, it, then he's dumb. Like, this is the problem, all right? He's, when people talk about how uh, there are, like, that guy's going to be in front of a 7-Eleven asking people for money. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm convinced he already does it right now. Um, When he was down there in that little steam room or whatever, he felt at home. He's like, oh, it's filthy. We're getting hot and, like, starting to smell like shit. He goes, all right, this is paradise. (laughs) I don't like him. Yeah, he sucks. I'm talking shit. I, uh, I don't like him either uh i this is gonna be a little bit of a hot take i don't like pope's dad uh <laughs> carl winslow look-alike <laughs> carl winslow that's, that's <laughs> like, like less comment, bro no here's why dude he's like less talented carl winslow <laughs> like i get sick of all these parents no good lessons <laughs> yeah he's like uh he's like uh you know in Predator when his arm gets shot off and it's still just shooting? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how hard he could probably hit with, like, the arm with it, whatever. Anyway, he's got, like, I, I just, I get sick of these parents who are, like, so dissatisfied with what they do. They, like, put so much pressure on their kids to do better than them. Like, and his son even said it, Pope even said it. He's like, dude, Everybody loves you. You got a great job. You're you're like making all of this real for us. And he's like, I'll be disappointed if you're not better than me. It's like, dude, like, you you know what's wrong with being a laborer? What's wrong with with you know being being the person that everybody loves who who gets oysters he wants to, from and stuff. You know? He wants yeah, to live on the good side of the island. I mean, but I get I it, but with, I had a problem with that too. Yeah, like, like I don't like they're that making shit. him like, play the stereotypical angry exactly, black man. Exactly. I, I didn't like that shit. Yeah. Like he's totally like he, he's making him he's sort of reinforcing all this all this other shit about like just all this classism which they do a mm-hmm. really good job of talking about in the show, but it's like what what's wrong with 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 working in a in a factory what's wrong with you know working in a restaurant what's wrong with being you know what we're saying now as an essential worker right like if, the, if that's what he wants to do and that's what makes him happy it's just he's putting all this pressure on him because he's dissatisfied with his own life he's an unhappy person I yeah don't, i don't like scott that. and i used to work with a guy like that um he would like, always file lawsuits against companies and everything oh um and he would just go after people randomly on uh saying everything is like a race issue and then he would tear down other black people or whatever if they weren't as proper as he is despite his low level um that he has in life yeah he's just a fucking sad angry person um and i also would you compare him to right uh that's a good question um in this in in the same way i would compare him to all these like i would compare him to he's trying to be like all the asshole rich rich people who are like you're a disappointment to me, <laughs> you know? Like Willie Loman from uh, Death of a Salesman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Biff. yeah. That's a good comparison. Um, I also want to bring him up just because I want to say he's like the Larry Elder of the Coop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I can picture him. Look, so, 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 look. No, you, 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 you don't, you don't make a lot of money. You sit there just trying to get four hundred million dollars. You sit there trying to live off the government. Look, if you weren't lazy, you get a chance. To, you get a, get a chance to do this. 
I made it out of here. No, but my daddy was a show. That guy's character did, had like no depth. All he did was make like dick jokes and drink. Like he was just <laughs> such a fucking frat kid. Like and whatever, I'd probably be friends with him. But <laughs> wait, wait, uh, Pope, Pope, or no, 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 uh, Pope's Kelsey. dad? Oh, the 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 counterpart of Pope, the rich black guy. Of yeah, the, of the kooks. Yeah. Yeah, that guy was. <laughs> that guy was so weak. He was. A... <laughs> yeah, what a total yeah, Uncle Tom. Like, like... Lines, bro. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. What did he sit there? He like goes and calls the cops like a fucking snitch. Yeah. He, yeah. Did. he never. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> he like picks up the knife when he finds him in his house. He's like, he's like eating cereal. It's like, where are your parents at, bro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, you know, in real life, this is how this guy would have talked. Yo, dude, I fucking saw that. I was like totally vicious, bro. Yeah. Fucking tubular. Tubular. You totally. You, we, all four of us fucking kicked that kid's ass. It was. Yeah, you, you, think that, you think that black kid, Kelsey, got adopted by like a white family? It seems like it, like Mike said. Where were his, where were his folks, man? Because, like, yeah. <laughs> There's a rule that you learn when you're black. Um, your parents tell you, hey, don't be the only black person in a group doing shit. <laughs> this is what Kelsey didn't give a fuck. He's like, oh, man, they like see me as an equal, man. Like, I'm going to frost my tips. <laughs> it's terrible. Just, yeah, I hope he. I hope he's in season two and like he gets like his head cut off or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. He might have been... Which, there's nothing wrong with it, but like they... He just had no depth. Like maybe he was gay. Maybe he just like really was in love with Tom. No, he's Larry Elder. Yeah, he's like fucking can. No, the guy's like Candace Owens. Man, yeah. just fucking. <laughs> like, hey, does income inequality exist? He goes, hell no. Hell no, it doesn't. Yeah, hey, Look, do you I think that? The... <laughs> yeah, he like, you know. <laughs> he sits there wants to bash social services, but then it's like, uh, but you come from a pretty well-off family, so how would you know? Yeah, exactly. Um. Okay, Mike, go ahead. Um, fuck, man. I'm about to say okay. Topper. Topper, bro. <laughs> His character was whack. He, I didn't fucking like him at all. He was a preppy kid who thought he was tough. And did he still I mean, wear polo shirts? Also, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised yeah, he didn't wear him with the collar up, bro. But let's be yeah. honest. He would have gone punked in any other oh, setting. Yeah. Like yeah. any other setting, he would have gotten. His yeah, ass let this cool. be in Raleigh or Greensboro or Charlotte or. Fucking Durham or Wilkesbury or yeah. anywhere. Durham, yeah. Durham County, bro. He would have given. Yeah. He would have been getting rocked. Yeah. He was weak. He was a privileged kid who couldn't even stand up for himself with his mom. Like his mom punked his ass, made him look like a punk. His mom looked like she was seventy. <laughs> yeah. She voted for Trump. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Fuck Dude, him. he was like the popular kid in high school. And then, like, went oh, to college and nobody gave a fuck. So he's like, fuck, I gotta go back to my high school town. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he was, was also like 20, right? Hanging out with all these yeah. high school kids. He was also soft, like, sitting there, oh, I wanna be with you. Like, come yeah. on. They're all I think about. And, like, they hadn't fucked yet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. And then that's the other yeah, issue I have with him. Sure. Like, if he's 20 and she's supposed to be 16, like, isn't there? I mean, I don't know. Not in North, not in the South. I was gonna say I don't know what the laws are in North Carolina as far as like dating. Also, no one on this show should blurt out the number because it's gonna make us look weird if we know it. So don't like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know Texas was fourteen until pretty recently. Are you serious? Yeah. 
Oh, that's fucking terrible. Oh, well, moving on. Um, we're going to go ahead and... Hold on, hold on, hold on. So, I got to get my second choice. My second choice goes to Barry, the drug dealer. Um, his character was weak, too, man. I didn't like his ass. Like, how old was this dude, really? Like, he claimed that, that he was dude, in the army. I think he's 33. In, like, episode 9, he was like, I was in the army, bro. Like, all right, so how did you come to become a coke dealer? And he you're over here selling coke to a bunch of, like, teenagers. <laughs> and somehow you also own a pawn shop. And somehow you own a Dodge Charger that uh, looks like a cop car. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many different plot holes in there where it's like, how well, do you could have gotten a bonus from being in the army for, like, maybe he was, like, right. an explosive ordinance disorder. And then they go, okay, this guy's dumb. Uh, we should probably, like, hire our test standards next time. And then they go, hey, you still have the bonus, but please don't fucking come back and we're not going to give you the health care. And you please don't go to the VA. And then he goes, oh, I got 25 grand. And then... No. Okay, so I mean, let's say he uses that, or let's say he did get a VA loan to start his own business. Like, okay, no, 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 no. They didn't give him that. <laughs> they certainly didn't give him that. <laughs> they just said you have a bonus for being from testing in the explosive uh, ordinance disorder. You can have the bonus, but we're also going to dishonorably discharge you. You probably think that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> it's just like, please don't put on your resume that you were in the army. <laughs> well, he's only you know? tough. He's only tough around these like. Rafe. Yuffie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, these yuffie he rich kids. Rafe. He, like, uh, JJ beat his ass. Yeah, he did. He oh, fucking pistol right. whipped him. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And he's clearly 16, so you got pistol whipped and you got well, your but ass beat by But girl. JJ's, like, real. Like, JJ's grown up because he's grown up hard. Like, these, these kids Well, it's also all... pistol whipped. Right. Yeah, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a closed fit. It was pistol whipped, so. Yeah. Either way, fuck Barry. <laughs> yeah, guy's just a fucking, yeah, that guy's just like a piece of shit, like legit. Yeah. But fuck Topper Moore. Yo, Barry Deadass reminded me of like if Riff Raff and Post Malone had a child. Oh, that yeah. would be him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Um, okay. So someone okay, someone put this major plot holes. Uh I think this is Scott, so go ahead. Yes, boats do not go to Chapel Hill. I looked it up. It's two hundred and sixty miles. And there's yes. no, it's inland. You can't. But get there's, there. I looked it up, and there's rivers though. I mean, maybe maybe there's not any that go from the outer banks to there or whatever. No, but there, there's none. Okay. Yeah. It's just gosh, it's like fucking insane. <laughs> As the ambassador of fact checking, I um, actually pulled this up on Google Maps to see like what the route would look like, and it's basically all through road. Like the only ferry they would have taken would would have been to get to the mainland which would have been like man's harbor and then from there they would have had to take the 64 all the way west yeah like a three hour uber so outer banks you guys should have been more realistic you guys should have had them on a fucking greyhound bus looking like a bunch of you know regular ass people instead of a ferry yeah get your shit together so yeah so if they wanted to add one extra episode they could have done this (laughs) and this comes from google also so scott shout out to you um, they could they could take a drive to Terrace Island, North Carolina, then take the car ferry to uh, Ocracoke, North Carolina, take the drive to Ocracoke, take the car ferry to uh, Swan Quarter, North Carolina, then take the drive to Chapel Hill. Alternatively, you could just drive your ass to Chapel Hill. Um, okay, so these guys, these three people that are from North Carolina, uh, I maybe I don't know if they anticipated that the people who have never had a show take place in their area of Outer Banks would not be excited to see the show and would not know this or something like that. 
But it seems like they were just like, oh, maybe this is like people in LA will look at it and then just be like, all right, this is yes, fucking cool. Americans are shit at geography and they don't give a fuck. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Yeah, so I mean, interesting. This all right. was proven when people were saying that Puerto Rico was not the United States problem, right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that, well, that's not a geography question. That's just a civics and people being dumb. Right, but I yeah. can't tell you how many people I want to smack the shit out of when uh, I heard that statement. It's like you do realize that they are Americans. Yes. Yeah, uh, so they this... don't have any federal uh, representation because – the Republicans will never allow it because it would be two more Democratic senators, essentially. That's why they're never, ever, ever going to be a state, which is fucked up. Well, in my uh, Chris Wiggins post, uh, tone of voice, moving on. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't a political spot. Uh, uh, do you have anything else to add as far as plot holes? Oh, yeah. uh, Scott, let me read these some of these <laughs> for you, okay? How were there two hurricanes within a short period of time? There is one. Uh, there is one on episode two, and then one on the last episode. Why did they not show the murder of the two guys uh, that shot? Uh, the, yeah, that uh, was me. Oh, okay. All right. Damn, you guys have a lot of these. Well, no, I just had a lot yeah, of I see problems. Y- with I see y'all didn't use punctuation either. Nah, this is how like fired up I was. I just. All right. Going off. <laughs> just, um, yeah, something's just like a, a one sentence. <laughs> so, like eight different things. Go ahead. This was like a, a MySpace blog, bro. I just went off. That's that's like a dyslexic blog, man. All right, go continue. Um, so where it was start? Siri. He just dictated it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Up. We're gonna re- we're gonna release this part on the Patreon. Just like, hey, the, what Mike wrote is going on the Patreon. <laughs> no periods or. There's a shit ton of question marks. <laughs> I have a lot of. Questions. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, Sorry. So like episode one, where they end up at the ho- the motel room, like. The cops find them safe with the money, but then, like, are they dirty cops? Like, you know, they kind of leave, like, this insinuation, and then, like, nothing gets followed up on. Yeah, Yeah, what happened to the other lady cop that was with them? That's what I'm saying. Like, we never saw her again. She never showed up. Yeah, she must have been on the... And even that plot line wasn't really talked about. Like, why were the cops there? Like, what were they looking for? Yeah. Like, they never followed up on that. And so... Garbage. uh, (laughs) Yeah, and then just... John B's storyline, like his dad goes missing, but he's a minor, but yet he's still allowed to live by himself. Like, where's his guardian? Like, who's looking after him? Like, how is the state even gonna allow this? Like, we do see, like, CPS shows up and does check up on him, but like, how is this kid living? Like, how is he putting food on the table? Like, is he making enough money from work, Cameron, that he can like buy mm-hmm. groceries? You know? Also, where's the grocery store at? And that's another thing. <laughs> Um, and then so like the whole two hurricanes thing like I don't know man there's a hurricane on episode one then the hurricane on the last episode like it doesn't even seem like this season even took place during hurricane season like they're out of they're, they're clearly out of school right you know what I'm saying yeah, like so, yeah, summer. Like June, July. yeah yeah hurricanes are usually late April, late August early September-ish or whatever. And, yeah. yeah. And then my biggest issue was, like, I felt like they tried to rush the end of it. Like, suddenly, Ward Cameron sees that this property's for sale. And then the next day, John B. shows up, and then all his gold is gone. Like, how the fuck did he buy this house overnight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, mm-hmm. And then how did he, like, what come in? was that crazy blind woman, axe murder? Uh, who, right. Who and had- oh, no, she owned the house. 
She owned the house, like, but she didn't die. She was shooting at him with a shotgun. Like, so she suddenly decided... How did she even her. live? Like, um, maybe she was, like, used echolocation. <laughs> <laughs> she was scary as hell. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was a pretty creepy scene. Because, like, her eyes were, like, green and, like... American Horror Story? I feel like there's four people from American Horror Story. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, it's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. She might have been from, uh... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she anyway, was just in, like, rant... So many foaming at the mouth and shit. So many questions. I need answers, Sway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of plot. So, um, the wish them nothing but the worst. Well, I'm going to go with John B. Look, John B. <laughs> Yo, I really do cause, hope. Because he got Sarah, bro. And you mad. Yeah. So, John B. <laughs> I really do hope that the boat that those black dudes uh, let you guys on, that that capsizes, but those people still live and, like, get off, like, pretty easily. Um, and then Sarah's okay. But, like, Sarah's situation is where um, you guys, like, there's one door, and then, like, there's sharks coming, and like but the sharks don't want to go for the door. Um, and then she goes, hey, let me stay on the door. But, like, there's way more room on that door than there was for uh, Ty- uh, Leo and Titanic, and, like, there's no buoyancy problems. And then she just decides to, like, lay across it. And then you get, like, bit in half. And then she goes, you know what? You're just a fucking dirty, slimy, fucking smelly piece of shit. And being be- and being eaten in half by the shark um, actually makes you smell better than you did the first fucking ten episodes. <laughs> so please die, you stupid, grimy, fucking stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> Damn. Oh, wow. uh, oh, I'm going to bring this one up just because we haven't talked about her. And I think she's a garbage human. Almost as as bad as uh, Raph is Wheezy. She's always going to be inadequate because she's never as good looking as her older sister. She's never as cool. Oh, the little snitch girl? Sister. Yeah, she's a yeah, little, little instigator. Snitch. Yeah. She drinks and pukes. She's just like, she's such a little tryhard. She's just trying so hard to like be accepted by everybody. Uh, she's just going to grow up and be Karen. So I just hope she doesn't doesn't exist anymore. I could see her dating a black guy at some point. <laughs> that would be good for her. Like she's trying to fit in or whatever, and she's like, "Oh, okay, right." And you know, like when uh, when one of those Instagram accounts or whatever tries to like sort of, "Hey, you should go follow this girl," and she's like wearing something scantily clad. That's gonna be that her. Just yeah, I can already see it. She's Plot gonna have twist. A weight she's gonna date Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kelsey's like, "Hey, bro, I got this girl, man. She's like totally hot, man." Oh, 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 man, like Stand tubular. <laughs> yeah, <I> <laughs> That's like so vicious, dog. You know she's going to be punking his ass. Yeah. Oh, man, I this girl. She's pretty, you know, uh, she, we went shopping. Like, her dress pretty chill. Dude, I always have to carry her home, but physically carry her yeah. home because she's so drunk. Yeah, man, she fucking barfed on my Thrasher magazine, man. She punches me Fuck. every once in a while, but like, dude, I'm so tough, I can take it. <laughs> yeah, man, she fucking is trying to wear my Osiris shoes, and I'm like, no. That's my yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, who else? Who do you got? Who else do you guys got? Uh, you have somebody very poignant uh, for wishing that, but the worst. Surprise, surprise! I have Topper. Um, <laughs> like I said, man, that dude is weak. And what investment bank is he gonna work at? What's that? What investment bank is he gonna work at? Golden One of the sex. banks that fails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Continue. I just didn't like him at all, bro. Like, honestly. He's still applying for he's... Lehman Brothers. Look <laughs> <laughs> at AIG. For, he's applying for Bear Stearns. Bear Stearns. <laughs> 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 
Nah, man, he has a persona on camera that you... Uh, I just... I don't like him, man. Honestly, like, I'll snuff his ass. Like, <laughs> I want to punch the dude. Straight up. <laughs> and maybe he's a nice kind of person. I don't know. You know? I might change my mind if I ever meet him. You know? For all we know, he could be uh, he could be an ally. He's not. And... Yeah, that guy's not an ally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's just like, look, I don't have any problem with black people because I like Kelsey. He goes, but why are they always complaining? <laughs> yeah, he's a kind, he's the kind of guy that like, oh, I fucking love Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr's special when they talk shit on people for political correctness, and then gets mad when they like show some so- solidarity for black person in the exact same special. Yeah, yeah. the type of person to say like, oh, white privilege doesn't exist because I've been harassed by cops as well. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that guy has so many Tucker Carlson vibes, like. I just across the board. I can see him like becoming like the no, G- he's like, like a little yeah. He's stuck across like little Charlie Kirk motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I can see this guy becoming like the GM of it. Like maybe like goes and gets a law degree and becomes like the GM of an NBA team just because he like is good with stats and has a law degree. And then like overnight, like players don't want to go play for the team or whatever because he's like, oh look, I crunched the numbers and you guys are making too much. Uh, it, maybe if you would have got a college degree in something else, uh, I wouldn't be your boss. <laughs> yeah, like he he has such pre Jerry Krause vibes or whatever. Like he <laughs> he's like Jerry Krause without sandwiches. Yeah, he hires he hires like uh, he he gets like some amazing talent. He gets really really lucky, and then the only free agents he signs are like white guys who have good <laughs> metrics. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. And they're like, dude, like, Krause are helping us win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he, he gets a bunch of guys that have to be past the ball because they can't dribble a pass half court. <laughs> yeah, you, you know he loves Duke basketball. Like yeah. he's like fucking Grayson Allen's a god. <laughs> As a GM, he's trying to go to practice to teach the two-handed pass. <laughs> he, worships, he worships Christian Leitner. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know he's like fucking. Because I don't Leitner, like, like his <laughs> idols. He like yeah, he probably like hates inside the NBA. That's not how commentary used to be. He's like fucking, he likes to listen to local broadcasts of like fucking Tom Gugliotta or some shit like that. And fucking UB Brown. Who was the dude who got his back bit by like a sex worker? Mar- Marv Albert. Marv Albert. <laughs> Loves yeah, I'll, I'll let it appear when it's Marv Albert and Mike Fratello. He's just like fucking doesn't like that Mark Jackson does the finals. He's just like what? <laughs> Yeah, like he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, we finally got, we finally got rid of Cam Newton on the Panthers. Fuck, what? We got a darker guy. Fuck. Hey, uh, got rid of Ron Rivera. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, he goes, I love the new coach. <laughs> Andy, we got a white running back. He goes, fuck yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, everyone, uh, look, season two, maybe we'll do an episode on it. Uh, are there any parting shots, guys? I mean, I'd be down to do an episode of the season two. No, okay. But, if we well, have an opportunity yeah. to trash it. <laughs> yeah. Any parting shots on OBX? Why though? the fuck is his name John B? And why does yeah. insist on saying John B? Maybe he's maybe he's on our podcast, like when we call you Scott B and Mikey P. But like, you don't refer to me every single goddamn time you talk to me as Scotty P. <laughs> yeah. This is sort of. Like, remember how we talked about in. Uh, uh, remember how we talked about in uh, the Star Wars episode how every time Anakin was called, like he'd be the only person there, and they'd be like Anakin, yes. right? And like, yeah, they do that with this John B. I'm like, you guys can just call him JB or John or you no, know? yeah. Or and what is like, yeah? What the yo, fuck is or like, you know, hey, like, bro, 
Yeah. 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 Fucking Kelsey would be like, hey, man. <laughs> like, oh, man. It's vicious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> everyone for. John Vita, vicious, bro. <laughs> No, I was totally sick, dog. Everyone. That punch to my face <laughs> that you just threw was dope, bro. Yeah, oh, man. Fucking totally. would to be to take some boxing lessons, man. Yeah. Take an MF, Across take a the fucking MMA class. Like, whatever you need to do. Just something. All the all that. the pogues should take MMA classes. Just, yeah, I don't know. Fetal talk. Run. Yeah. Something. Also, soap, John B. Well, uh, everyone for OBX. Uh, and for the Benjamin, we'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace. All right, guys. Great episode. And we're going to 